beautiful Tropicanas, and welcome to The Ricardo Project, the podcast where I watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I'm so happy that you've joined me today for episode seven of I Love Lucy, The Seance, which premiered 70 years ago today on November 26th, 1951. So here's what happens in The Seance. The episode opens with Lucy in the kitchen reading a book on numerology, and she is, again, so invested that she's barely conscious of what's going on around her. And Ricky starts to kind of make fun of her for enjoying numerology and for liking the more paranormal stuff. And Lucy decides that that means that their vibrations aren't in sync and that maybe it's because his numerology number and her numerology number don't match. So Lucy rearranges his name to get the perfect name for him, which is going to help their vibrations. And the perfect name for him is Genevieve. And I tell this part of the story because I think it's great that we're seven episodes in. We've got another queer coded joke. Uh, As we discussed with the Hayes Code a few episodes ago, this is very risque for the time. Anyway, then Lucy goes on to some, like, practical magic stuff. She drops a fork, her palm inches. She says these are signs that a woman is going to come and give her some money. And Ricky thinks this is complete nonsense. They make a bet that this is not going to happen. And, of course, the minute they do this, Ethel walks right into the kitchen, gives Lucy the dollar that she borrowed the other day, and Ricky has been proven wrong. (laughs) So Ricky gets up to leave for work. He tells Lucy before he leaves, like, hey, I'm going to get a haircut. Um, My barber is going to call. Can you just, like, schedule a time for it when he calls? And before Lucy will allow him to leave, she checks his horoscope to see if this is a good idea um, and if it's a good good day for him to get a haircut. So she checks. It says, yes. She says, say yes to everything. He leaves very enthusiastically because he gets to say yes to everything that day. It turns out that Lucy was reading from yesterday's paper. Lucy checks the correct paper, and it turns out that she was completely incorrect and that Ricky should say no to everything. Of course, at that exact moment, the phone rings. Lucy picks it up. She says, who is this? The person on the other end of the line says, it's Meriwether. And she says, absolutely no. No, no, no. I don't care what you want. No. And hangs up the phone. And in perfect sitcom timing, it turns out that that was not the barber because Ricky comes back in and says that he realized he was waiting on another call from Mr. Merriweather, the most important theatrical producer in town, who's going to give Ricky a big part in a show. And Lucy, of course, has said no to him and has made a big mess of this. So Ricky decides that Lucy has to go down there and explain in person. So we cut to Mr. Merriweather's office, and he is using a Ouija board to try to talk to someone named Tilly. Lucy and Ricky come on in, Lucy tries to explain, and Mr. Merriweather, in perfect episode theme, says, I can't talk about this. My horoscope said to not discuss any business afternoon today. Which Lucy immediately understands. She explains what happened, she explains the horoscope confusion, and Mr. Merriweather understands absolutely immediately. He is such a cool guy. He's like, I get it, I hear you. Then they begin to talk a little bit about numerology. They talk a little bit about their zodiac signs. We find out that Lucy is a Taurus. And then Mr. Merriweather asks Lucy very conspiratorially, do you Ouija? He says he's worn out three Ouija boards trying to contact Tilly. And I'm not really sure how you wear out a Ouija board, but maybe the spirits just got tired. He asks Lucy if she knows of any good seances. And Lucy, of course, in an effort to get Ricky the opportunity back, says that they're having one that night and invites him. 
And Mr. Merriweather is over the moon. He looks right into the sky and he's like, maybe I'll talk to Tilly tonight. We cut back to the Ricardo residence and they have set up a little seance space. Everybody's ready to go. Ethel's dressed as a, a person named Madame Ethel Mertzola. It's very silly. Um, the costume is a little inappropriate. The don't, um, but you know, it's the fifties and she doesn't do any voice. I really appreciated that she just did her regular voice. There was no like accent work or anything that was going to make this so uncomfortable in 2021. So they, they dodged that at least can't dodge them all, but they dodged that one. Lucy tells Ethel that she is going to do the voice of Tilly because she wants the seance to be a success. And in the other room at the exact same time, Ricky asks Fred to do the same. So Fred gets out of the seance. He sneaks away. And Mr. Merriweather shows up all excited. They begin the seance. Lucy sneaks away. She sits in front of the fireplace by Ethel and begins the voice of Tilly. This whole seance scene is so funny, and I, I, like, I have to really bite my tongue and not just go through every single line. Just watch the thing. It's so good. After they've talked to, quote, Lucy as Tilly, and they're so excited, Meriwether is so happy. At the very end, he asks Lucy, who did you like more, me or Mrs. Meriwether? And the whole time, they've all thought that Tilly was Mr. Meriwether's wife, so they're all like, um, oh God, okay. And then... Mr. Merriweather says, if we have time, I'd like to contact Mrs. Merriweather. At this point, Fred has snuck in. He comes in and does the voice of Mrs. Merriweather, who is the, you know, ball-busting wife of, of Mr. Merriweather. Lucy has no idea where the voice is coming from. She thinks it's a real ghost. Then Mr. Merriweather says, okay, goodbye, Adelaide. Goodbye. Goodbye, Tilly. And Lucy does her goodbye, which Fred hears. So Fred and Lucy both think that the other one is an actual ghost. Mr. Merriweather is thrilled. He leaves with Ricky. Ethel um, thinks that it went great. And Lucy tells Ethel that she's underestimated her transmitter. Um, And Fred then at the same point comes in looking for Tilly. Everybody makes confessions to each other. They say, I was the voice of Tilly. I was the voice of Adelaide. There you go. And Ricky lets everybody know that Mr. Merriweather knew that it was real because It was exactly how Tilly would have sounded if she could talk, because it turns out that this whole time, Mr. Merriweather has been trying to get in touch with his cocker spaniel. And everybody laughs, and then the credits roll, and that's the end of the episode. So I love this episode. I think it's so great. I think it's so fun. It's it's got that weird sitcom-y logic where everything is really heightened, but it does make narrative sense. Definitely an underrated episode, and I think that if you, I think if you're looking to watch an episode of I Love Lucy and you don't want to watch one of the kind of more iconic ones, you'd like to watch something else, this is a great one to watch. It's, I mean, I highly recommend this. And for me, what makes this episode sing is that this is kind of the first time that Lucy really isn't pulling the full weight of the show. Every single one of the main four is working together. And it feels like we're finally getting into the rhythm of what the show is going to be for the next six years. Because when people, when scholars, when viewers watch I Love Lucy, the thing that we think about is obviously the, you know, the classic Lucy moments, the, the vitamin of Edgeman scene, you know, the, the moments where Lucy really gets into a pickle. But we also think about Ethel as her sidekick, And Fred is Ricky's sidekick. And Ethel and Fred together. 
And the four of them have such an incredible harmony and such an incredible spirit about their ensemble that this is really, I think, and, you know, I think it's really where the magic of the show lies. Lucille Ball is amazing and she's talented and she's brilliant and everything she does is gold. But it's the other three people she's in the room with that are making it really sing. It's not that they should take credit for her talent. She is singularly talented. But she can't do it alone. And the people she has in the room with her are amazing. And I feel like the seance is really the first time that we're truly seeing all four of them together. And I really love that Fred and Ethel get a lot to do in this episode. They're almost in partnership at times. They're kind of working together to like, clearly they like dressed Ethel up together. Having Fred, you know, um, scream in agony. (laughs) He's supposed to pretend to have a headache to get out of the seance. And he just screams in agony and like walks out of the room being like, oh, and it's so funny. It's great to see Bill Frawley playing as much as we've gotten to see um, Ricky play and Lucy and Lucy play. And it's great to see Ethel playing the same way. You know, Vivian Vance, William Frawley and Desi Arnaz are all participating. In fact, Desi Arnaz is probably participating the least. And I don't mind that dynamic. I love when the Mertzes are really front and center in an episode with the Ricardos. I think it's a really good dynamic. Vivian Vance also really gets to shine in this episode. Her work as the medium is excellent. Her voice work is hilarious. It's really, really good. Her her moving back and forth between a, a kind of spiritual um, Professor Trelawney and Harry Potter voice into like a um, like a NASA voice and Ethel to Tilly is very, very good. Everybody in this episode really gets to show their vocal range. Lucy does the higher-pitched Tilly voice, which is different than the other voices she's done so far. She usually goes really low. Fred gets to play. He gets to play Adelaide, the wife. There's a lot of... um, um, And then Ethel, of course, does her great voices. And it's just really fun to hear all these different ways that people can be um, working in their registers comedically. It's super fun to watch. And I really like that everybody is just game. Like, I love that there's no... The joke about Fred playing Adelaide is that he 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 tries to be sweet and then realizes he has to be mean. And Lucy doesn't know that he's there and thinks it's really Adelaide. The joke is never that Fred is playing a woman. And uh, this isn't... Just like in the diet where I was really taken aback by how much body positivity there was in that episode... I was really taken aback in this episode as well, just by how much more progressive it felt than some shows I'm watching now as far as what the joke is and who the joke is about. And this episode does a really good job of having the actual words on the script be what's funny, the the way that the lines are delivered be what's funny. There's there's no laughing at anybody in the scene. It's all um, a big communal joke. And I really liked that. I love that the joke is never that Fred is playing a woman, but that the joke is that Fred is playing what he thought was a loving wife, and it turns out is actually kind of a mean jerk lady. And his pivot is what makes it funny, right? His His calling him darling and then calling him a worm when he realizes he's supposed to not like him. Those are the moments that are funny. 
not the fact that he's a man playing a woman. And there's just kind of this, it's interesting because I I do think of Ricky as kind of, especially with the last episode, which I really didn't love how intensely gendered the conversations were and how it was like, I want a wife who's just a wife. I love this like big swing away from toxic masculinity in this episode. I think it's really great. And it made it really exciting to watch. And it's nice to watch the show figure this stuff out. Um, and it's it's nice to see as the show goes on. Look, I Love Lucy has some moments that do not look good in 2021. They weren't appropriate in 1951, they, or they shouldn't have been. And they certainly aren't now. But it does also have so much in it that makes it really moving to watch as a modern person. And this is per- this is a really good example of it, just like The Diet was a really good example of it. And I'm really, really happy to be re-watching this and to see that. And every time I feel like they take a step back with their I want a wife who's just a wife or the cultural appropriation issues or anything like that, I feel like they take two steps forward in the hierarchy and the power structures and who the, who the joke is about. And I find that usually the joke isn't about any person. It's about funny things. And that is a really unique thing in comedy. So many comedy writers rely on mockery and it's just not, it, it's not good. It's, there's, there's nothing timeless about that. And I think what makes so many episodes of the show and therefore the show overall so timeless is that these writers really knew that they had to make funny experiences, moments, and situations. They couldn't make fun of people. And that's a really special thing. And it's really moving to reflect on episodes of the show and to think back and think, wow, that is really just nice. Like, that's just nice. It's just good. It's just funny. And I'm really grateful to um, be watching it again. Anyway, moving on to a few other impressions. And then the Geth star, the fifth ensemble member who plays Mr. Merriweather, I mean, he's used perfectly. He's part of my absolute favorite line of the episode where Lucy, when she's playing Tilly, kind of burns herself on the fire and she says in her ghost voice, oh, it's awful hot here. And Mr. Merriweather, without skipping a beat, goes, oh, that's where you are. I mean, a hell reference in this era of television, I love it. And that brings me to something that's kind of unique about this episode that took my breath away a little bit, which is that there are a lot of sex jokes and risque entendres in this episode. It's going to sound super tame by 2021 standards, but by the 1950s, this was a lot. So it starts with Lucy when she's saying their, you know, Ricky and her vibrations are off. And Ricky turns to her and says, you don't like the way I vibrate, which I literally gasped when I heard. I did not remember that line. I could not believe it made it to television. When Lucy tells him to say yes to everything that day, Ricky replies, oh boy, will I, which is obviously a sex thing. When Meriwether, who is very queer coded by the ding dang way, you know, when we were talking about the Hayes Code a few episodes ago, he absolutely has that coding. He asks Lucy in that very saucy way, do you Ouija? And she's like, what, 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 what? 
The episode is loaded with these really, really fun double entendres that make the show feel a little bit more adult, which is just very cool because I think something we think about a lot when we think about Lucille Ball is her big expressive eyes and a naivete. And I like that this episode kind of plays with that. And I think that's something the show actually, maybe it's a Mandela effect, maybe it's just a misunderstanding, or maybe we haven't gotten to these episodes yet. But I think that I Love Lucy is really settling into the idea that, you know, that Lucille Ball, that that Lucy Ricardo has a lot of, is very pure of heart, but she's not stupid or naive. That was one of my big complaints about Be a Pal was that I felt that Lucy was being written a little unintelligently. And I feel like having these more risque jokes in it really hits that like Lucy's a very intentional person. She knows what she's doing and she's smart about it. She might be impulsive. She might not make the right decisions, but she's clever like a fox. And I think that having a little bit of risque jokes um, matures the show a little bit. And even though I don't really remember other episodes where that's the case, I think that it sets a precedent for a level of adulthood that does well by the show because it it makes it 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 adds some intelligence to what is happening in the room. And I think this could easily have been about a really ditzy stupid person. And it's not. It's about a, a group of very smart people who get themselves into hilarious situations. I think and I think that comedically that's just funnier. <laughs> also, when we think about these risque things, it's kind of funny to think that like this is where episode 7 was, but Next season, when they're expecting little Ricky, they're going to push those those beds in their bedroom apart because that was too sexual to have their beds together because now we knew that they'd had sex. This is all just another great pebble in the bucket to argue that at least at this time, TV was able to be a bit more transgressive and suggestive than film, which, as we discussed, at this time, film was really heavily monitored and TV just wasn't. Like, I'm not even sure if this pagany stuff like numerology and horoscopes would have been casually allowed under the motion picture production code. I don't think it would have been because, as we discussed when we talked about that, that had some really heavy Catholic influence. And I'm not sure, if any historian is listening, let me know, but I'm not sure that this would have been allowed because it would have been considered devil worship in some way. So just stuff to think about. Anyway, Few historical notes and a few numerology notes. Um, Mr. Merriweather, who I adored, he was played very delightfully by Jay Novello, who will return in the sublease and in Visitor from Italy, which is the episode where Lucy very famously throws pizza dough and it like lands on her head and she looks like a ghost. I'm really glad he's going to come back. I love him. I was super charmed by him. Other notes. Ricky mentions tea leaves palm reading, and horoscopes. And I was, this led me to think because they also mentioned in an earlier episode, you know, Ethel says that she learned how to read fortunes. Like, was there a big interest in the paranormal during this time? I couldn't find anything in particular. I just, I'm sure I wasn't using the right search terms. Um, But I did find a couple of things, which is that this was around the time that Shirley Jackson was getting really, really famous. Her short story, The Lottery, was published in 1948. It did revitalize an interest in horror or helped revitalize or is at least representative of the revitalization of an interest in horror and, you know, spooky things. Um, 
And then the only other thing that I could really find is that in the 1950s, there was a slow uptick in the whole decade of interest in the paranormal, which um, which culminated in the premiere of the Twilight Zone eight years later. So Twilight, so Twilight Zone kind of ended out the decade. And I just thought that was interesting. I, I feel like the gals from My Favorite Redhead will have more information on this. They're really, really good at finding details that I can't find. Um, and by the way, if you like I Love Lucy, check out My Favorite Redhead. Hi, girls. Um, they have a lovely podcast. And our episodes are the same episodes, and they drop on the same day. So we're like, like buddies. So take a listen if you want. My final note is about numerology. So first of all, we found out some Zodiac signs. Lucy is a Taurus. Ricky is a Gemini. Ethel is a Leo. And I can buy the Taurus and I can buy the Gemini. I was very shocked by Ethel being a Leo. She does not feel like a Leo to me. But I will submit for consideration in the Leo category, uh, the episode Ethel's Hometown which is an episode based on when they're heading out to Hollywood for Ricky's big break. And it turns out that Ethel has told everyone that she's going to be a star and that's why they're going. And it's a very funny episode um, where Ethel's ego is kind of front and center. So maybe she does have some Leo in her. I don't know. I looked up the numerology numbers that everyone was ascribed. First of all, I don't think these numbers are correct. I put in Lucille Ricardo, Lucille Esmeralda Ricardo, Lucille McGillicuddy, Lucille. I put in all the variations of Lucy's name that I could think of, including Lucy versus Lucille. And her number was not a three, which is what they assigned her in the show. I got every number except three. So I don't know. But anyway, here are the numbers they were assigned. So Ricky is a five. And what I learned is people associated with number five are keen Um, on adapting to changes, though they are a bit temperamental, which is definitely Ricky. They can also be quite impulsive in nature. They are pretty social, fun-loving, and voluble. And I think that's like pretty close to Ricky. I can buy that for him. Um, Ethel is a seven, and it says folks with the number seven invariably have a driving desire for spiritual wisdom and knowledge. And, you know, she did learn how to, um, how to, tell fortunes earlier. So I think that that works. Um, it makes sense to me. I get it. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, Meriwether is a one, which says he's fiercely independent, competitive, determined values his freedom, perpetually brimming with new ideas. He is a theater producer. So that works. And also I kind of like the independence thing coupled with the fact that he'd rather talk to his dog than his dead wife. I guess that fits. Um, And Lucy, finally, is a three, and it says that folks with the number three carry great creative potential but struggle with focus, and because they lack discipline, it's hard for them to finish projects. They may also struggle with naivete and egotism, but three is also associated with optimism and an abundance of energy, and wow, even though it didn't technically work out whenever I put her name in, yes, that is Lucy Ricardo to a T. So they must have just read the numbers and assigned them based on what they thought matched the most because, yes, Lucy is a three. If numerology is real, it's it's that. So that's very, very fun for me. So that's all I have on the episode. I hope that if you celebrated a holiday yesterday, you had a good one. Um, next week, we'll be back with Men Are Messy. And here is the logline for that. Ricky is a slob. So Lucy divides the apartment in half, his and hers. When a photographer shows up at the apartment for a photo shoot with Ricky, he is aghast at what he sees. 
It looks like a broken down barn. And that's all I'll give you because otherwise I'll ruin everything. So I will see you next week for Men Are Messy. I don't remember this episode practically at all, so I'm very intrigued to see it. It'll be like watching it for the first time. So I hope you have a lovely weekend. I hope you do something wonderful for yourself. Talk to you next week for Men Are Messy. The Ricardo Project is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, on my bed. I had no cats with me today. What a bummer. If you'd like to talk to me about anything at all, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can reach me at Instagram at the Ricardo Project or by email at the Ricardo Project at gmail.com. Those are also in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take the time to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks find the show and it also makes my day. If you didn't enjoy this podcast, I get it. I'm not for everybody. You're not listening to this. It's all good. I hope no matter what, you have a wonderful weekend.